When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast comes in association with Nutmeg, the Scottish football periodical. The subscription-only quarterly publication is filled with top-quality writers, great articles, and fascinating stories about the beautiful game in Scotland. Get your subscription at www.nutmegmagazine.co.uk. Podcast that's far more interested in eating fruit than throwing it. It's a Monday and a wonderful anniversary. There's been a full card of Ladbrokes Premiership football, so we'll be giving you our searing hot takes from the weekend. We've had an Edinburgh Derby, Scott Arfield's first professional hat trick, and Falkirk TV on repeat. I'm Graham Thillis, I'm one of Glasgow's Leafy West, Leafy West End today, and joining me is the Terrace Podcast snappiest dresser, Craig Kearns. Hello. And rounding off our terrific trio, we have the man that knows lots about UK number ones and Scottish football, Craig Anderson. Hello, but is a coconut fruit? I honestly don't know. I just said, I was, I was like ruminating in my head all the way through your introduction there. Is it a fruit? I, I'm not sure, but what is it? If I was, was going to Google it and find out, but I don't think it particularly, uh, I, I don't think it is a fruit. No, but no. anyway, um, sorry to kill your introduction. Right. It's, uh, anyway, yes, we'll cheers. get stuck right into it and we'll kick off in Edinburgh as Hibernian picked up their first one at Tynecastle since Ross Caldwell was a Hibs player with Hearts 1. Hibernian too that had, had happened at some point. Yeah, it was. A, it was a really. Uh, I, I I struggled to. I, I wouldn't say it was a good game, but by Edinburgh Derby standards, it was an incredible game. Yeah, they said that on a sports scene that it was the best in a while, and I thought to myself, well, there's not really been much competition. But yes, I agree. It threatened to be a classic at one point. I think when you got Hibs equalising really soon after Hearts had gone ahead. Maybe thought that it could have kicked on from there, but it didn't really. It was uh, it was still exciting. It was still frantic, but it, there wasn't a lot of quality. But 
the, I think they're talking about the quality. I think the team that showed the moments of quality were the team that ultimately won that. The two goals that Hibs scored were both yeah. fantastically well worked. They didn't do much of it, but it was enough to kind of get them over the line. It was watching... I watched the game and I didn't really appreciate how good Horgan's second goal was until the sort of second or third time I watched it. And that he wins the ball, he makes the run, he busts through. Um, yeah, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic goal for Horgan. And again, he... Didn't he just, he just wouldn't leave them? Wouldn't leave Hearts at peace at any point during the game. And it's kind of the performance that I think Hibs fans thought they were getting when they signed Morgan. Mm-hmm. And his first couple of games, he really looked fairly electric. And ever since then, he's been a wing back. He's been a, he's been all over the pitch. He's been through the middle. He's been wide. And it was kind of asking the question of where's he best to go. And as it turns out, whatever the fuck he likes might be the answer. Of- yeah, I mean, I think he started off. They signed him as a winger, and um, he was kind of one of the. Victims of Lennon never having a settled lineup. Now I know part of that was to do with um, a lot of injuries that he had, um, but he he never picked the same team twice. And kind of like their opponents at the weekend, their hearts. But um, uh, Horgan, as soon as Heckenbottom came in, Horgan put him back out in the wing. He hasn't had a run of games in the wing for a long time, maybe since he first started at Hibs. And he's been one of the best players under Heckenbottom. And, and I don't think that's an accident that he's in his position and all of a sudden he's um, he's playing really well. And yet, I mean, I said there wasn't a lot of quality in the game. Um, you're totally right, Craig. The the moments where there were quality were uh, definitely from Hibs. I know the first goal's offside, but they still they execute it perfectly. And then the second goal, just everything about it. Three touches and it's in the back of the net. I, I don't think Hearts did a lot wrong. There, to be honest, I think they were just outdone by a, a really good goal. When you put a, sorry, to no, no, you're fine, yeah. when you put together a team like Levine has, which has been very successful, but it's a lot of big lumbering guys. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not saying that as an insult to them, but mm-hmm. they are, and yeah. they're, um, you can get you can get picked apart by moments of quality like mm-hmm. that, and that's not a, a reflection on any of the players individually. It's just that they've not got the. If, you, if you're going to play your strengths, yeah. which is what Hearts do, and say we're going to have this style, and this is exactly how we mm-hmm. present our football team, this is what we're going to do every week. You will get a lot of success through it, and again, it was something that Motherwell saw last year. And that you, you play to the system, and you play to what you've got. You make the best of what it is. But similarly, every system has somewhere where it falls down. Whether it's if you're an expansive football team, then pressing will shut you down. If you're a pressing football team, then going long will, will, will hurt you. In this case, it's a case just mm-hmm. between, real, real between the lines. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes the teams just score good goals, and there's nothing you can yeah. do about it. Anyway, and you could pick a few things. You say Mulroney could have been a bit sharper and got got uh, the ball clear, or something like that, or shouldn't get pulled out of position as much but these things are going to happen in a football match and I think sometimes you have to just hold your hands up and say that was just a bit of quality and I think some of the flack that Levine's been getting off the back of this has been quite over the top to be honest I think that he deserves criticism for the season overall I think that if Hearts finish sixth it's definitely a failure given where they were some See, uh, at some one point in the season, eleven and, points clear ahead, and that even with the even that even with the injuries, I think you can criticise. Um, but I think for this match on its own, I think it's been very over the top. I think he his tactics were decent. They they went to four at the back rather than three at the back against a lone striker. They put Mulroney further forward to get him up against. Gray, who's playing with injuries and who's been shown who's been shown up by players that are quicker than him recently, uh, and I think. Hearts were, or Levine was uh, a couple of good finishes away from winning that game and I know that seems like an easy thing to say but it's not like previous Edinburgh derbies where there's been real, the chances have been few and far between. This one, June missed two sitters. Um, Mulraney was in great positions at a couple of points and I just think the final ball or a good finish and Hearts could have got a point or a win from that game and it wouldn't have been that bad. The performance would have been in a much better light. 
to a degree that's true, but when you take into account what else has happened at Hearts over the past week, and that he set up his stall at Ibrox very clearly to be, I don't really give a shit today, and um, nothing really matters. Like, yeah. Whatever happens today doesn't particularly matter. I'm just I'm just focusing on winning the derby and then the game beyond it, which is obviously the Scottish Cup semi final. I can kind of see where the criticism's coming from because again, anything that does that and says we're going to discount this game against the old firm, fine. I, I don't yeah. really hate that as a strategy, but then when you then don't get the result following that, it's it kind of hamstrung who he had available for uh, up front there. But I, I mean, it doesn't matter who we play. Uh, Ibrox, we we, we it's all, comfortably it's, beat. It's also true as well. Um, but what I I, would say, I, I thought um, Hanlon and McGregor were absolutely terrific against Uche as well. And yeah, they just seem to be kind of taking it in terms like. Five minutes, you take him. Five minutes, I'll take him. And then just working on and on and on in that basis. Just a case of if you put one player on him for ninety minutes, then you're going to get beaten at some point or another. But just continually rotating the bodies, whether it was whether it was Milligan and that as well as so Milligan or Hanlon or McGregor, just one of them just taking responsibility for it. Say he's mine now. You deal with whatever else is going around us, and that sort of fluidity within the defence allows them to go and play. Like I that. think uh, Steve Carter did my favour on uh, Wednesday night because he brought Chris Boyd on at half time, and then Hanlon played up against him for a while. It was Hanlon and Milligan who started centre back in, in Wednesday, and then McGregor got brought on to deal with Boyd, and then they did so quite successfully. And I think it kind of warm, warmed them up for the main event <laughs> against Bigucci, um, who, who himself I thought had a really good yeah. game. Um, Bringing, yeah, just constantly pulling hearts up the park. He was a bit unlucky. The the one at the end when Hanlon made the the nice tackle on him, it was it was clearly pulled outside the box before that by McGregor and should have won a free kick. But uh, he he's just he, he's clearly not going to score a lot of goals. We've had the same discussion before, yeah. but he's just so much of a handful that you're basically occupying both centre backs, as you said, Graham, and, and that's where what Hearts were missing was the Naismith who takes advantage of that. They didn't have that. They had. A bunch of kind of middling, mediocre players um, floating about in those positions, and they just couldn't do anything with it. One one question I had about Hibs, and I, I meant to ask it last week, we kind of ran out of time talking about it. But where does supposing that if this is what Hickey Bottom's team is going to be like, and if presumably he's going to keep broadly the same personnel from there as well, and he adds in once again Scott Allen, who's Signed on a pre-contract. Where does Scott Allen fit in amongst this Hibs team? Because even if Omiyonga leaves, I was just about to say when Omiyonga yeah. uh, goes back, because I don't think he, from the little I know of him, I don't think he's a player that Hibs are going to keep. He's yeah. uh, he looks um, he's, he was fantastic through. Yeah, well. he's a Belgian under twenty one international, and even to get into their under twenty one squad. I imagine you have to be pretty good, uh, and he's on loan. as a regular for Belgium. <laughs> There's a huge fall off in their centre backs. I'll give you that. Once you get past their three best centre backs, okay, there's a bit okay. of a drop off there. But um, yeah, and he's on loan from a Serie A yeah, side. So I, don't, know, yeah. I think um, they're probably not going to keep him. So yeah, but at the same time, Heckenbottom's taken over halfway through the season, and I'm sure he'll have his eye on a few other yeah. players yeah. and then maybe setting up heads in a different way from where they are at the moment. And that's one thing that I think he deserves a lot of praise for. He's shown that um, he can change things within games. He started off by just kind of keeping consistency in his lineup and giving players chances here and there. And he seems to have kind of found uh, a good position for Omionga in the centre of the pitch. And even within this game, he's kind of pushed them forward yeah. for the forward later in the game, and it's and it's worked out for them. And um, they moved, um, they changed formation in game again. 
against uh, Rangers and okay it took them to half time to actually get off and give them some instruction but they did well and all the noises the players are making he seems to be very meticulous and he's kind of like he's doing these like short video analysis sessions individually with players and everybody seems to be talking about his tactical work and his video work off the pitch mm. and he, he, yeah he seems to be uh, doing wonders there at the moment to bring it back around to Alan it's a very funny one because he obviously had absolutely nothing to do with that signing yeah. and he's going to get this player kind of landed on him again Scott, Scott Hall yeah, up in a situation um, where maybe he's not actually but I wondered if I half wondered if Neil Lennon was going to end up uh, giving him a couple of goes at Celtic given he was the, the last manager he was going to um, interviewed about it a week or two play him against Hibs in, uh, next week in the two weeks <laughs> but uh, yeah it's an interesting one I'd say Omionga leaves Malin's place is potentially up for grabs. I think he's a, a fantastic player. The free kick he hit was uh, that was a yeah. goal because it was just so much vision. But he might be one of um, Heckingbottom. Obviously had him at Barnsley and didn't really um, necessarily use him that much. Um, he might be one that I think Allen's too good a player not to not to get in that Hibs team. Um, but he will have a battle in his hands more so than he expected it to be when yeah. um, when he actually announced the signing. And, and again, it may be a victim of the circumstance of them not getting that over the line in January to bring him in, because he would, he would almost certainly be playing yeah. maybe where Omionga is right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, just my final thing on that is I want to add, I'm going to add David Gray to my uh, awaiting to be exposed list alongside Scott Bain. And that David Gray seems to keep getting himself in a situation where he looks as if he's about to get done by a winger. Like really just absolutely flattened and still manages to just do enough to get through it. Even if he gets beaten in a game or absolutely torn real. apart, it yeah. never, never, down, it's never a downward spiral into a no. shocking performance. But he's a guy. He looks like a guy who's playing with injuries at the yeah. moment, and uh, the amount of times he's down on the turf getting treatment, I think that kind of yeah. proves that. Speaking about people that are exposed, uh, we'll go to Dundee as Jim McIntyre's Dundee went down two nothing to Aberdeen as Sam Cosgrove moved within a goal at the top of the. Tartan ball standings. Yes. And is Jim McIntyre the best man for the job? Well, well it depends what the job is. If, <laughs> if the job is uh, sending Dundee to their rightful place in the championship, then yes, he is. It's worth mentioning, if anyone's not seen it, uh, the programme notes from, from Dundee's chairman, uh, John Nelms, <laughs> Nelms are, are, are really quite something. Um, as Miss he's Fowler. Yeah. <laughs> as he's explaining that, um, that Jim McIntyre's absolutely the best man for the job. Um, and the data shows this. So Jim McIntyre has played 27 matches as Dundee manager. He's won three, drawn eight, lost 17, 421 against 56. A win rate of 11.1%. He's had seven defeats in a row with three points adrift at the bottom and got beat 3 nothing by Queen of the South, who, as it turns out, are a bottom to middling championship team at this point. Thanks to Grant Hill for these fantastic stats Can we well. add into that that they've won one league game at home all season yes. and they're put their season ticket prices up. And they, and they have might games. not even be in the Premier League. <laughs> and they may have fewer, fewer home games in a worse league. Um, good, good on you. Um, the, it's a commitment to the bit, and you have to respect that. I've looked through the Dundee team for both of the last two games, um, the, the midweek game and then um, Saturday, and there were several names on there that I genuinely don't think I could pick out of the line-up. No. Uh, yeah, Sullivan. Sullivan, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Robson looks actually like a, a decent player, but I, I don't think I'd be able to spot him. Um, just, just these names, and you're like, it's like, oh, it's like Craig Telford's uh, all the stars <laughs> thing. It's just a big list of names that I mean, not mean nothing. Um, and and you're seeing that from the performances. Like, 
it looks like a team with a complete lack of cohesion, a lack of an idea. They've got a striker who, when he came in the team, and Nelson who came in the team and looked like he was maybe going to make a, make the difference, but he's been on the bench the last two weeks. Yeah, I think injury, I think, no, did he not play midweek? No, possibly, but... Dropped he, him for this? I, I, I just think it's been three games in a week, and I think because he's just... And I don't know this, I just assumed when I saw him on the bench that because... Um, He's just back from injury. He missed uh, quite a number of weeks there. I think it's just because too many games in a certain I amount feel, of time. I feel like at this stage you have to you have to just go. Okay, I, I know you're uh, I know you're I a bit, you're you, struggling, but you're, you're still you're yeah. still better than what else I you get have. That. And you maybe pick your battles a little bit because Aberdeen beating Dundee is the least surprising result in the <laughs> fixture card. It used to be. Aberdeen Kilmarnock, but now it's Aberdeen Dundee. Beat them about four hundred times in a row. So and. Um, but yeah, with without Nelson, there's just there's no goals in that uh, Dundee team, and it's uh, it's very worrying. They're 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 cut adrift now, and at this stage of the season, it's yeah, it's, it's just not looking good for them. At every, all. every Dundee game follows exactly the same pattern of 10, 15 minutes. Everything's fine. Dundee have some chances, have some nice play. They knock it about quite well. Um, they don't get the goal. They start to shrink back. They concede. They concede again. Game over. And it, it's, that's been Dundee under Neil McCann that's been Dundee, Dundee under Mike it's the same, it happens every single week for them and like I said in midweek it seems like they're just chucking bodies in just to see if well they it, did bring in um, was it Moore the young, yeah, young guy yeah. and um, from, from what I read like he, a lot of folks felt sorry for him because he, he looked, like, he, he looked like he wasn't ready for it yeah, he's only like, 18 like, I spoke to Gary about it as well and he was saying that um, Hedenius who'd been in the team they were unbeaten in three with him in the team and then they just chucked in Carl Moore, and again, I appreciate uh, Fowler said this a few times with Levine in terms of chucking in young players just for the sake of doing it, but it's, that's a different scenario because if you're Hearts, you're, you at the very least it, yeah. top, you're at the very least in the top half. Even when league. Motherwell did it, they were in this no man's land yeah. where they were never really in trouble of getting yeah. relegated, so they bring in some youngsters and, and it turns around their season. But doing it six games before the end of the season, and uh, it just comes across as a bit of a desperate move. It's not like a, it's not blooding in a youngster. Sometimes these things can work out for you. Sometimes it can end careers. Great. I think Taylor was an example. He got chucked yeah, in. Right, in, yeah. In, so in the opposite one, Fur Park, Hearts right back, and I forget his name, and Motherwell won five or six, two or something like that. It was a midweek game, I think. I can't remember the guy's name. Never saw him again. I mean, that, that just proves my point that I can't remember the guy's name. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it can... It can. Uh, I mean, I don't think Moore's career is going to be ended by this, but it came across as like a kind yeah. of desperate move from... Well, particularly, and as well as that, when in the programme notes again, John Nels was saying that they, it's uh, every department within the club has improved, the youth team's improved, and every... I mean, every department in the club may well have improved. You may have better staff everywhere, but you're still fucking losing games of football. You're still dropping out of the league. And it is similar to um, Partick Thistle last year when you kept anticipating, do you know what, next week they'll, they'll, they'll turn up. And again, we're at this position now where it's, the split is now, we're now with it, we're into the split game. So you look, you've five games to go and you say, look, five games to save the season. You've got to that point. You're still in contention. If you beat the teams around you, you will stay up. Simple as that. If you if you win the games around the teams the teams that are around you, you'll stay up and that's fine. And you kept saying that with Partick Thistle last year, and when it was done to United a few years ago, eventually it was Ali Heller talking about it on the on one of the Patreons as well, saying that Dundee United fans were shocked because they kept going, "Oh no, we'll turn it around. How many wins do we need? Five in a row? Are we fine? We'll just turn it around. Don't worry about it." <laughs> and it kind of feels the same like that again. Instead of like actually scrapping for it, we're going to sit in a little bit as well. You just end up just farting yourself out of the league it's without any real 
you've not done anything, you've not really battled or challenged anybody for it. It's just a case of, well, we've kind of fallen out of the league because nobody really gave a shit. They've got 18, 18 points from 33 games. Yeah. That's atrocious. It's, it's worth noting as well that they needed to win all of their games before, all of the, including last week, they need to win all their games and all the post split games to equal the points tally that they got in the top club 12 season when they were a disaster. Mm. Um, or right, understandably a disaster because they had so little to prepare for it and they had no point did they have any idea what was really happening. And then appointed Bomber Brown. Um, and as well as that, the last nine times a team has been bottom as the split fixture start has gone down. Yeah. Yeah, they brought up in sports scene last night and they said only <laughs> they said only once has it been they gone down via the playoffs and that was Thistle. All the other times it's been the team that's gone bottom into the split that's gone down, yeah. Should probably talk about Aberdeen no, for a bit. Eh? Uh, <laughs> Cosgrove's on twenty goals now and uh, McLennan. McLennan looked yeah, very looks good, good again. He's he's just he's just been brilliant. I mean, we know that uh McInnes has never been one for bringing through a lot of youngsters, but he's changed that this season. But even some of the ones that have kind of brought through uh, both this season and in previous seasons, they've kind of they, they've been in and out. They've done well. He's been one that's just kind of walked in and it's just been excellent since he was yeah. given a run, basically. They're a young, they're a young team, Aberdeen. They are now, um, yeah. They, yeah, I think they're the youngest. Cosgrove's uh, young, McLennan's young, but Ferguson playing pretty much every game in the middle of the park. Well, that's it. He signed an McKenna. 18-year-old who's played every yeah, McKenna's every a young you, uh, you totally forget about Ferguson no, McKenna because they've been there and they're just so established as first team members. You don't really think about it, but again, just kids. Yeah, and they, no, they, 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 it's a really, really, really interesting game coming up for them next weekend because will McKenna stick with McKenna? It's not McKenna, um, McLennan. If will he revert to type and do what he does for every single big game, which is just go back to having that Niall McGinn? He'll have like Dom Ball at left yeah. or something. Uh, just uh, I think I think this is different. I think this is um, with it not being Rogers as uh, Celtic now. I don't think he'll overthink it as much. I think he'll know that he's not up against a guy that's as. Uh, but he, he lost all four. He lost yeah, all four. astute. Yeah, he so. lost all four games in the season to Ronnie Dyla, Celtic in the league, and got uh, yes. finished finished like fifteen yes, points behind him on the table or something. Before the recent kind of turnaround in performances in Glasgow, they do have a much better uh, record in Glasgow uh, in times. <laughs> and they got a draw. Yeah, they got a draw. And Hamden against Hamden against Rangers as well. I, th- I just think that um, every other time Aberdeen have come up against Celtic, um, they've been invincible. At Hamden, yeah. I've written them off. I thought there's no chance that they'll, they'll either they'll bottle it again or you know what I mean. And this time, I am quiet, but I'm not really quietly. I'm shouting about it on a podcast. But I think they, um, I think they could do it. This I time. do. I do actually agree with you. The the, the Betfred Cup. Um, they were very close. They were not far away at all from it. And again, ultimately, the, the Mackay Stephen injury, who he was in good form at the time, he was doing very well at the time, did hurt them very much at the time because they just never they conceded directly after it because nobody was really in the game for the five minutes afterwards. Um, but they that's 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 as close as, as as close as they've come to doing it in, in the big game against Celtic. And I do actually agree with you. I think I think they'll do it. The only downside is they'll have to do it without Graham Shinney, um, which I think is, the, is 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 undoubtedly the biggest loss for them. But again. Gives another chance for Don Ball to do something. Don Ball, yeah. Just get Don Ball in somewhere. I'm sure that'll work out absolutely fine. Any more for that? Nah. Magic. Uh, we'll head over to uh, Ayrshire. Uh, oh, sorry, to Perth. No, it wasn't Ayrshire. It wasn't Ayrshire. Yeah. My phone's gone daft. Uh, where Kilmarnock 
thoroughly pumped to St Johnston. Yes, it was. Uh, I spoke last week about um, the game against Hamilton and how Hamilton kind of were very meek and off of nothing, and it was a game that was five 0 going on kind of yeah. ten. That was two 0 going on ten as well. It was. St Johnston were St Johnston were rubbish when they came to Rugby Park in the opening day of the season. Um, and were big two 0 actually. Um, they just sat stupidly. Yeah, they played. They played yeah, five. Yeah. At the, played five at the back and were just yeah. They just sat and let us play. Um, we went to McDermott Park and they were a, a changed a changed animal and it was it was a nil nil draw and they were very very good that day and then it was just reverting to type. Um, I think the season's just kind of peaked in the middle and then just gone gone back downhill again. Obviously, the fact they've got absolutely nothing to play for didn't, didn't help them and Kelly were right up for it because it's such a such a huge game. Our last chance against um, against bottom a bottom six side before kind of going into the the split and kind of that that carrot of um, potentially getting into Europe again. Uh, Steve Clark seemed thoroughly. Excited at the prospects when you heard them interviewed uh, on Saturday and was talking about the the fact we'd have to start pre-season early and all that. But um, <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just having to not do anything other than yeah, just do sorry. football. Probably won't um, be there. Just a no, Probably actually. won't even be there. Um, but no, we uh, it was yeah, it was just a, a very one-sided game. Um, Xander Clark kept St Johnston in it to be honest um, he, Boyd hit the bar with a header early on and then he made a fantastic save from Boyd I initially thought it was a, a howler from Clark from the yeah. goal from my angle because I thought Dicker had headered and it had gone through him but you saw that actually uh, it came off Chris Kane and, and It's good that Chris Kane curses worked in reverse this yeah. time as well because we, we mentioned him didn't talk about him and made a, a really strong point of not talking about him and it led to an own goal yeah, so, so it turns out we have that, that level of power over things um, Tommy Wright uh, threw his toys at the pram by making a triple sub at half time yeah that was <laughs> can imagine their dressing room was a fun place at half time yeah it was um, they, they, they were bad but they, they'd actually the first 25 minutes it was all Kelly and then for about the next 15 minutes St Johnston were in the ascendancy would be a bit strong but they were they were slightly better they were slightly improved it was a bit there's a bit of a worry for Kelly's point of view that they were starting to kind of get in the game a wee bit we got the, the penalty before half time which was um, obviously a, a really daft handball from Kerr and then uh, we scored and then they went off at half time, but yeah, the, the three changes, it, it did seem a bit of an overreaction and it completely didn't work because the... It's some trying to send messages. I think it I mean? was, it's yeah. Like, to, to everybody to involved, take, you know well, what I mean? Took, the players, the fans. Especially to Tanzer, because he took Tanzer off and he had to put, put Ricky Foster across to left back, play Kerr at right back and then um, slot Gordon in at centre half. He brought Swanson on and Swanson just kind of strutted about completely. so crazy. I also think that St Johnston, a lot of um, the non-sexy but successful St Johnstons of the past, their centre midfield has been a real strong point mm. and they seem to have given that up this season. Yeah, they seem to just be a really soft touch in the centre of the park. Artist. I think it's quite damning when Ross Callaghan is your best central midfielder. Um, Davidson has always struggled and been in and outside with injuries but he's not been quite as Davidson, quite the Davidson, same player. Davidson is a great balance to somebody that can play yeah. He's always a great balance to something he can play, but as soon as and he, you're just not going to get forty games out of him no. either. As, as soon as you ask him to do more than be a big record, and like, I, I don't, I don't mean this to be disparaging at all. I think Murray Davis is a fantastic player, yeah. as you say. He wouldn't have been at St Johnston all this time if he had been injury free. He yeah, had, I think he had he's the a talent. terrific player, yeah. but if you, he's always been balanced with some like Chris Miller behind beside him, and guys that can do a little bit more than he mm-hmm. can as a footballer. Um, I think well, just even coming to to rugby part of a four four two was just a bit. Ambitious. Um, Henry um, was like like his dad. Right? His, his dad um, 
getting sent off for elbowing someone in uh, some San Marino player at Hamden. Well, Callum Hendry like left an elbow in on Stuart Finlay um, early on. We actually we were actually down to ten men when we scored the opening goal because um, Finlay went down to get stitches. Um, like it was then big, big fan. Like, yeah. Obviously, stitches are not good, but big fan. Yeah. Like, Stitch me. Uh, and then <laughs> Henry had then another couple of ones where he could have got a second gel. We got subbed at half time, unsurprisingly. Um, yeah, they just, they just everything that Kerr had the worst game I've ever seen him play. He, he got sent off down at Rugby Park last season. Yeah, Jordan Jones um, tore him to shreds, and, and he got uh, he got sent off for pulling him. It's down. One of the guys that could be absolved of blame though for a bad performance. Yeah, no, he's yeah, had yeah, a one very off. good season. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not uh, like he's he's done this. And after he was asked him. to play right back for some some reason. Um, from a, from a Kelly point of view, it was hard to pick a failure in the, in the side, to be honest. Then Boyd had been in. Did Rory McKenzie get mad in the match just because yes, he, he didn't did. get it the week before? No, he was very good again. <laughs> but yeah, he was very unlucky the week before, as I, as I said last week. But no, he was very good again. Chris Barkey just rolling back the ears again. Just tremendous. Yeah, he was um, brilliant. Boyd had played, um, started against Hamilton and was unconvincing. Um, came on against Hibbs, unconvincing. But I thought he had a very good game on, um, on Saturday, I think, with, um, well, Brophy obviously being injured, uh, McElhaney was missing from the squad, presumably injured as well. You kind of need Boyd at that yeah. point because you've, you've not got much else. You've got, you've there got for, yeah. um, Miller who came on, who was actually quite quite decent, um, but he, he actually kind of turned in a performance and he got the goal um, that brought him level in his uh, second yeah. second all time league scorer for Kelly. He was um, delighted to score and keep coming in. And he should have had a second goal. It was it was a, a terrible offside decision. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. There wasn't much complaint at the time. I think mainly there wasn't much complaint at the time because the game was done. The game was, the second half was just such a weird affair because there was just nothing, like it was just played, played at walking pace. If Kelly had wanted to score, it felt like we could have done it well. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was very hard, um, a hard game to talk about, to be honest. But the midfield three for Kelly's just, just dominant again. Um, Strolling through again. And it, and it, you feel sorry for someone like Tish Baller who had come in and had a couple of really good games but Power was back fit and obviously took his place again and um, yeah it's five five massive games I think for, for Kelly going forward I think um, qualifying for Europe would, would just be, a, be massive for the club because it's it's been um, I, was in, I was in first year at school the last time we did so it was 18 years now, I'm Yeah, 2002 maybe was the last time, so yeah, 17, 18 years. just gives a whole sort of buzz about the start of the season as well. And yeah, I've, I've, I don't like, I don't like being in this position. Like, I like, I like just being able to turn up to, I was saying that on Wednesday night when I went to Easter Road, I like being able to just go to games with like no jeopardy involved, just like, this is fine. (laughs) And I was saying at Easter Road, like, no, this game actually means something and we've got five more that mean something. I've had to keep back holidays for work just in case I need to go to uh, you know fly out to Azerbaijan in June or something but uh, it's yeah I mean you, you wouldn't swap it really for, uh, for anything else I'm looking forward to, to post back so from one club with five big games to two clubs with five big games as Aki's drew one each with St Mirren goals from Steve Davies and Anders Dreyer um yeah, it looked like a great game. Shrug Anders Dreyer, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I fully agree. It looked like a smashing game of football. Uh, terrific turnout from St. Mirren fans there as well. I think it said there was like 1,700 St. Mirren fans there. Just brilliant. Fantastic to see. Um, yeah, just a, a look, look non-stop with, and, and sort of started fairly on with 
Scott McMahon completely forgetting how football works and just <laughs> passing directly to to a St Mirren player the, within the box. Their defence for the first twenty five minutes, Hackies looked shocking, yeah. just all over the place. Astonished they didn't concede. It's probably something they, they played like that last week, but um, yeah, they kind of showed it up in midweek a bit. Just, but. It's weird. I just the structure just seems to be non-existent. Um, from game to game, right? He, he changes personnel and shape very often from game to game and within game. And uh, yeah, for the start of this match, it's slightly just left their fullbacks exposed, and it was it was a wonder that um, St Mirren didn't go ahead. The chances from Lions, they really got to do better there. The first one, he just yeah. hesitates for too long. The second one, I think he's trying to be like Messi and kind of dink over the keeper, and he's just absolutely fluffed it. The, I think the first one. I think it's just a case of me so astonished. Like, it's one of the most incredible passages of football I've seen this season because not one of the Hamilton defenders does what you should be doing. Kilgallen <laughs> sort of swings a pass over to Gordon, who is standing with like a really weird body shape, like facing his own goal with the ball, and then plays an awkward pass to McMahon, who then just starts running towards his own goal, and then sees Lions and just gives it to him. Lions, you can see him sort of looking at it going, what the fuck? Like, I don't know what to do. Like this is none of this makes any sense. And then Aki's started to try to just lump it towards Davies yeah. or Davis. I don't know what, how which one you pronounce it. As and um, it seemed like the ball was just bouncing off him. And Hamilton players were still picking it up, yeah. like ten yards away from him or something. But his, his, <laughs> his touches were landing absolutely nowhere near him. But uh, he he scored a really good goal in the end. That yeah. was some finish. Uh, he, he looked like a public player when he, he was running away. So he's just everything yeah. about him. It's just like, somebody who does something absolutely. That, that's the striker they needed. Yeah. They think they needed for a long time. Like a fives player who turns up and just looks more out of shape than everybody else, but then has just got this knack of picking the ball up inside the attacking half, anywhere inside the attacking half, and just, and just putting it in the yeah. corner, yeah, into those kind of low, uh, wide goals that yeah. you get in fives. He was, again, it's just, none of that, again, none of that makes any sense. And again, you look at the January signs, I was entertaining myself with this, like, in January, would you rather, if you're Aki's, would you rather have signed Andrew Davies or Steve Davies? And looking at it, you go, I'd take Andrew Davies because he's an actual centre half and he seems to know what he's doing. Played in this league before, won a cup. Not injury prone. <laughs> not um, injury prone. Not at all. injury prone. But you get Steve Davies, a guy who, as you say, looks, doesn't even look like a pub league player. Looks like he just runs a pub. Yeah. Just as a, as, as a physical shape of a human being, looks like he runs a pub. Um, but yet, got his goal. Absolutely fair play to him. And then, obviously, we see, once again, Ziggy Gordon is fr- a friend of uh, a view from the terrace. But Ziggy Gordon, I've never seen a player more consistently look more guilty. Yeah. Every time Ziggy Gordon gives away a penalty, he does that thing, but he immediately throws his hands up and goes, it wasn't me. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a wee bit soft as well, but he made it, it, made it, made it look, look way yeah. more of a penalty. <laughs> he got away with one in the first half. Yeah. He did, yes, but he, he makes it look so much more of a penalty with his reaction for it, so you can kind of... Um, but uh, Dreyer obviously uh, got up and smashed it in as well and didn't try any uh, no. fancy <laughs> shite like uh, Sammy Jackson did. Jackson's um, off penalties yeah. until the end of the season, there was a massive goal for Smith and I think fair play like as we talked about with Dundee both of these teams have, have got the fight for it you can see that and their, their supporters are behind on both sides um, like Smith and for Smith to take that number of fans yeah. when they've been so chronically poor for a long time shows that they do believe well they're right they're wrongly they still believe in the manager and they still believe in the players there the thing is that Smith kind of had to it wasn't a must win but certainly must not lose because yeah. if they lose then they are cut adrift from Aki's and then it is ultimately a case of 
keep think... your momentum going until you get to the playoffs. But they're still they're missing what McGinn, McGinnis, yep. McKenzie, Fairland, McAllister, McAllister, missing all these guys from the team and still getting a draw out of it. I, I find it incredible. I think I also to add to that think that it's a decent point. They're away to one yeah, of the relegation yeah. rivals and it keeps them yeah. in exactly the position they were with respect to. Hamilton takes him a point away further from Dundee and it's looking chronically bad for Dundee as we You look at earlier. this St Mirren squad and you think like, they, they probably won't but they could win all five games after they, they look, they look you, can't, you wouldn't say that about Dundee You finally look at St Mirren's squad and the players they've got um, and I don't know on, on, on a view from the terrace they were talking about um, Popescu as centre-half who's yeah. looked terrific um, Hladke yeah. was fucking unbelievable He was the other guy I was going to add uh, that was going to be my second point that I made I think he's been great um, I would, he's I been would, a really safe pair of hands uh, to pick an absolute utter cliche to use about a goalkeeper but what I was going to say specifically was that save right at the end of the game yeah. that not only is it like, technically a good save and it's it's material in that it brings them a point against one of the relegation rivals I just think the psychology of that um, him being there that they, they, they have um, uh a sturdy goalkeeper at the back there going into this relegation battle and like I was saying I think that this is a decent point okay ideally you want to win this game and, and draw Hamilton closer to you but um, I, I think it's a really good point because if you just look at the form it continues that good form that's yeah. three win, three draws and two wins in the last eight now and I think that's that's very good form for a relegation threat inside yeah I, as you are saying in terms of fighting every, t- every time Aki's were attacking it was there was just bodies and limbs flying. It was a couple of times that they made it like he was beaten, but then there's it was, I think it was Erahan was back yeah. in the line clearing that away. And again, a young a young guy and the yeah, team you can easily take responsibility and say like oh, we're not going to like, particularly just we're not going to lose today. Um, and it's just it's something that we're seeing from both like you say both St Maranakis that we're really not seeing from Dundee at all. That's why I, I actually just on him I, I really like Erahan just because of the attitude. I think his attitude's spot on for a young I think he's very young, I think seventeen, eighteen coming into that team. They're struggling playing the top flight. He's his debut was against Celtic and he was yeah. very good. Or at least certainly his, his top flight debut anyway. And he um he just yeah, he just looks like one of these players that's just learning all the time, and you forget a bit like Lewis Ferguson. You forget how young he is when you see him play because he he doesn't betray that in any way. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting. You see him standing next to people. From oh yeah, no, that's right. But um, yeah, so it, I think he's one that even if they go down, he'll be back in the top flight, whether with the men or somewhere someone else within a couple of years. I was thinking about it. I was trying to think of. Uh, a St. Mirren goalkeeper that looked anywhere like that I've ever seen anywhere close to the things that Lackey's been doing. Nah, mm. he's, I'm, he's, he's for me the best St. Mirren goalkeeper I've ever seen for them. Um, and he's and that's not, not Jamie Langfield, probably not Jamie Langfield, definitely not Craig Sampson. <laughs> anyway, uh, from, from one defensive fucking shit show to another, um, Motherwell nil, Rangers three. Um, it wasn't so much a defensive shit show as a um, we, gave, we literally gave them three very, goals yeah you did, you did but the two of them were through giving up possession rather than poor defending I mean I know there's kind of like we're getting into a grey area there but yeah it was Motherwell thinking that they could pass the ball out from the back for 19 minutes only, only of the back five I think only Grimshaw could be absolved of blame to, for any of the goals to, to be fair um, Rangers Rangers were very good um, it's, it's dead easy to and it is in a large point correct to highlight the Motherwell were really poor defensively and, and giving the ball away but when Motherwell went long Rangers Katic was, was imperious all day at the back for Rangers which was 
<clears throat> Again, I've not seen. I can't even remember the last time I saw Cathy playing football. Came in for one game a few weeks ago, but yeah, it's been Warrell and yeah. Goldson for uh, the longest time. Cathy was was dominant. Anything that came along, um, you'd main grappling a bit with Goldson, and Cathy was just coming through, cleaning everything out. So anytime we went long, uh, Motherwell were losing the ball. Anytime they went short, they were giving goal, giving goals away. So uh, yeah, Rangers were very very good. Again, uh, Glenn Kamara was 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 terrific throughout the game. Um, just continue to keep the ball moving, continue to sort of cut down angles, um, which again, it, it, it still baffles me they didn't make it in the old firm game, but nonetheless. Um, Motherwell were pretty fucking rank. We've only picked up a, a handful of points all season against top six sides. Um, so somebody, somebody kept claiming that, there was somebody claiming that we'd only picked up one point against the top six and it was the game against Rangers, but we beat Aberdeen as well, so that's definitely Drew, Drew with Kelly as well. Yeah, what a box. Probably beat Hart somewhere, no? You did beat Hearts. <laughs> what a bollocks. Yeah. Like I say, it's a, it's a stat that's been repeated a bunch of times with Motherwell fans. It's absolutely bollocks. Oh yeah, the, the Doyle mistake. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, absolutely bollocks. Um, um, but they've really... Motherwell are playing exactly to their level at the moment, which is kind of what all I wanted this season, which is to play at a level. And I mean, we are. It's your first defeat at home since that Ross County Cup match, and uh, you think about how bad things were after that game. Yes. Um, yeah. Mother, they're playing at a level. We're beating teams we should be beating we're losing to teams that we should realistically be losing to. The frustrating, the really frustrating thing for Sunday was just how easy we made it for Rangers. Yeah, the, the one thing when you play a, a, a big game um, against any team like that, when you're, you're not favourites, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is give away one goal cheaply, but yeah, giving away three, so you're, you're just giving yourself no chance of taking anything from the game. Even with that, even the times that Motherwell conceded, like 22, 39, 60, like 22 minutes in, like you made it through the first 20 minutes, you're in the game, we're, we're competing reasonably, oh, fuck. <laughs> Just before, like, keep it tight till half to half, fuck. Don't make it to half time. The second half, maybe go out against that. The second half started quite brightly. Uh, maybe get a goal, but ah, fuck, I can see that again. And at that point, fuck, what are we doing here? This is absolute nonsense. Um, again, Motherwell, again, just there's a lot of things going on just now. Um, uh, I, I'm assured by my barber that uh, Declan Gallagher signed, which is good. <laughs> It's the, the hottest tip that I've had this week. Looks um, like you've seen him recently as well. Yeah, yeah. Saw saw him on Friday night. Uh, sorted out seeing now seeing my brain at the side of my head. Um, but just the number of bodies that Motherwell have not played at the moment. Um, Connor Salmon, who netted a brace today for the reserves. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Johnson and, and uh, Liam Donnelly in the stand. Hartley McHugh in the bench. There's a lot of movement going on. McHugh can, or, uh, Robinson continued speaking, as I said, on, on Thursday, just speaking and fucking different levels of Instagram like you're a 16 year old last year I think it's slightly worrying that uh, Motherwell have kind of slipped back into poor run of form again it seems to have kind of gone under the radar a little bit I think it's just two wins in the last seven or eight or something and okay I know that um, Motherwell weren't expected to keep that win going and win every week or anything like that but it was a decent run of games decent run of fixtures uh, that they had for a while there and I just wonder whether it's a bit of a purple patch that's kind of gone now and then we see how this young team can kind of come out of that. And then when you also throw into the mix, there's quite a lot of players that might not be there next season. So, I mean, I suppose a a double question would be, what is it for Motherwell between now and the end of the season? Is it just kind of blood and more youngsters and that kind of thing? And is it slightly worrying, the kind of form that they're going back Um, into just now over the longer term? Ultimately, no, it's not worrying because we're not Dundee, we're not Sitmer and we're not Aki's and the first half of the season looked very much that I would, I would have bet that we were more likely, when we sat in that sort of middle ground between not quite challenging for top six and, de- and not getting relegated, 
I would have bet far more that we were likely to slip into the, the relegation battle than a stroll to 7th or 8th or ninth position. Um, ultimately, between now and the end of the season, play kids. Um, I don't think James Scott's ready for first-team football, but you're not, not going to know, and you're, you get very few opportunities to just play five games and say, on you go, just go and have a run of games. Curtis May is not going to be here next season. Maybe a left-back you can chuck <clears> in there. <throat> fucking a mystery <laughs> to the world. Um, but it's, Curtis May is going to be away. Uh, my favourite thing of the week was uh, Derek McInnes saying he'd take him if he stayed in Scotland, so I'm really looking forward to... I saw that Aber- recently Aber- as well. Aberdeen's strike partnership of Stevie May and Curtis May, 55 appearances, 7 goals. Aberdeen not learned their lesson. <laughs> no, <laughs> it would appear not, but he's, he's going to be away. Louis Malt maybe, but not, yeah. not, not Curtis May. But yeah, he's going to be away, so play James Scott. He doesn't look ready, but you get five games where you get 70, 80 minutes out of him for five games in a row. He's not going to get worse for the experience, so... No, uh, play him... Chuck, please get some minutes in Jamie Semple, get Adam Livingston in the team, just play young players and see what happens. There's nothing to lose there. There's possibly everything to gain next season. So at the start of next season, they go in to the Betfred Cup group stages having played five games at the end of the season. And you know that you can hang your hat on them because they're going to be up against... You know that they can play against men, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I would. I, I, I find it really difficult to worry about Motherwell at the moment because we're fine. Anyway... Is that us? Uh, so yeah, that leaves us uh, Celtic nil, Livingston nil, which was Livingston's first ever point at Celtic Park. Oh yeah, so it was probably uh, I just yeah. shrugged. But yeah, I'm not gonna it looked like it had all the intensity of a testimonial. I shrugged before you <laughs> gave out the Livy's first ever point there, which I suppose is quite impressive. Yeah, but yeah, well, well done to them. Um, yeah, that, it was just a it was just a dull game. Like Celtic are in pre-season uh, sorry well, like, yeah, pre-season, pre-season yeah. mode they're just strolling about they should have still won the game but missed an absolute sitter then you can understand why he missed it because there was like a player kind of bearing down on him and he was I all just think that's place, Burke all over though yeah. where he's he's um, worked the, the yard and the angle he's basically he's got past the player he's clear but he doesn't have an end product and he doesn't have any composure I think it was just a, it was Burke in a microcosm I think yeah but it's very hard to take anything away from that game because you're like well Celtic know they're going to win the league. Um, the one thing you would say is I don't think they would have drawn that game under Rodgers. No. Um, no. So I think the, the narrative coming away is if you're keeping Neil winning, you're going to get shit shows like that occasionally. Yeah. But ultimately, I do think I think I think they've got a, they've got a challenge. They've got a question now, which is you, you keep Neil winning, who will probably get them the ten in a row. He's, he's a safeish pair of hands for a Celtic manager, yeah. or you go big and you get another Rogers level manager like a Rafa Benitez or something. I don't think they have. I don't think the in between option. The dialogue. The, the option. Dial option's go there not again there. anytime soon. It's got to be the safe pair of hands who should get you yeah. over the line. Yeah, at this point, you, at this point, they can't take. Knows the pressure, or it's a it's a big name. It's, it's someone who you know in the same ilk, yeah. um, and and it'll be interesting to see which way they go because it depends. Are they interested in, in the 10? Or more, are they interested in could we get a bit further in Europe? Yeah. There is no reason that... But they did well in Europe last time. Yeah, yeah, but well in, well in the Champions League in terms of kind of... Towards the picking, end. <laughs> picking up a couple of results. Not, get, not getting bodied every week in the Champions League. It's better than Rodgers, yeah. But they need, they need to... Um, there's no reason a Celtic team well put together, well organised couldn't go deep in the Europa League if they, if they, you know, quarter-finals type stage. They're 
the money that they pay, it's not like they're, they're yeah. not going about on buttons, um, but they've just not put together a good squad for Europe because I think they've been so focused domestically and, and dominating it. Again, Celtic like to pitch themselves, or seem to like to pitch themselves at the same sort of level as Ajax, who thumped Real Madrid in the last year yeah. in the Champions League. And again, well, the chances of them going to win it are pretty slim, and that is an exception that proves the rule in terms of money and finance and whatever else. Yeah, but we've had Portos in the past, so... Yeah. Well, we've got two in one season, actually. Yeah. Porto and Monaco. Yeah, and it, it, it was an incredible performance. And if they're going to suggest that they're of that level and they've gone for a manager in Brendan Rodgers that they thought could get them to that sort of level and he completely failed because he was a crackpot, um, then what are you going to do? It's, yeah. Like you say, it's a case of, do you go for the 10 or do you go and be something more than that? I'm just not sure how much of a safe pair of hands Lennon is either, but, I mean, he... He's been there and done it before, yes. Um, and I think it's difficult to kind of judge how well he did at Bolton after that because they're a bit of a basket case. And then Hibs, there was, I don't know, it was more good than bad, but still um, there were there were some low points during his spell there. And I just think since he's gone back, he's inherited a team that was on fire. Now, I know they kind of dipped season on season, but Rodgers had a good January and got Hibs, uh, got Celtic... Firing on all cylinders again. Yeah, they were blowing everybody away. We hadn't seen that from them for a little while. And since Lennon's come in, yes, there's going to be some disruption. But they're winning games late or they're, they've drawn two games at home, nil-nil, recently, which Rodgers uh, wouldn't have done. And uh, Livingston went and sat in. And I don't know how much of this was down to luck, how much is it down to performance, but Kilmarnock and Hearts went there earlier in the season, done the same thing and got absolutely scudded. And uh, like I said, I don't know how much of that's to do with the respective team's performance or how much it's to do with the change in manager with it being uh, Hearts and Kilmarnock being up against a Rodgers Celtic and Celtic were motivated for both of those games because Kelly were, were top of the league when they went to, yeah, to Parkhead. I think Hearts may also have been top of the league at that point or very close to it. And it's very, so Celtic are are out to smash them and to yeah, prove a point. Yeah. They're playing Livingston on a Saturday afternoon when nobody gives a fuck. They've just won the old firm game. There's absolutely no pressure on them. Yeah. Their bigger games the following week. There's there's no jeopardy in that game at all. They were given game time to a couple of players that were just come back from injury to add to that as well. For me, if if Brown had been leaving in the summer, if Brown had seen a new contract and given the job to Lennon, I think that'd been quite interesting. If it's Len- if Brown, obviously Brown staying because he extended his contract, kind of because of that, I wouldn't give the job to Lennon because if you give if, you, if Brown is there for another two years, if you if it's Neil Lennon, he'll start him every week. Yeah. Um, if it's somebody else there, they might not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think as well um, against Hibs we mentioned earlier how much he kind of chopped and changed things when it wasn't going well and even at the weekend there he's gone to a back three and he's played three set and a half against Dolly Menga you don't need to play three set and a half against Dolly Menga and you know Livingston are going to leave one forward up and uh, whether they play three or five at the back they're going to have one isolated forward up top and I, I, you just don't need some uh, the, the three I don't know why I'm going to list them but they didn't need the three set and a half yeah. But I think I think that yeah the fact that we've spent all the time discussing that says everything you need to say about the game. Magic. So I think I think I've rounded that, that rounds off the, the weekend's action uh, quite nicely. Uh, we are off to record Textra where you guys have provided some mailbag questions for us, so we'll work our way through them. You can contact us at tennispodcast at gmail.com on Twitter, on Facebook, all of our individual Twitters if you want to get in an argument with us, that's absolutely fine as well. Uh, the the TV show which was inspired by this podcast, if you're from the Terrace, will once again be on BBC Scotland on Friday at 11pm. And probably then on probably, BBC probably, probably followed by like some other classic film on BBC One after that as well. Uh, but I haven't looked at the TV schedule and Robert's not here, so sorry Robert. 
Uh, but yeah, please do tune in. The guys will be back on Thursday. I believe they're going to be talking about some sort of Edinburgh nonsense. So it'll be, I mean, it won't be as so much fun. All about rugby again. Yeah, that's us. So yeah, do enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. Bye. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.